Hello and welcome to another edition of Logical, the legal podcast from the Dubai-based law firm HPL, Yamalaba and Plethka, and still the Gulf region's first and only regular legal podcast. My name's Tim Elliott. I'm at Reef Tower and Dubai's Jumeirah Lakes Towers, JLT, at the firm's offices with the managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalova, uh, socially distanced, of course. Good to see you again, Ludmilla. Great to see you too, Tim. Thanks for being back with us. Now, today, it's the topic of bullies, in particular on Logical in this episode, real estate broker bullies. A familiar story, uh, Ludmilla. Real estate brokers here in Dubai show you a home and in general charge you 5% of their annual rent as a fee. It's often uh, the figure. I suppose in tough times when rents are lower than they've historically been, some brokers try to keep their commissions topped up through slightly nefarious means. Um, it's often a pretty hard sell. Some brokers are extremely persistent. And I know that you've recently been assisting a client who was being bullied quite literally bullied by real estate brokers. So uh, I just wanted to hear that story. Yes, um, it's a true story and it's a very recent one, though not the first and perhaps will not be the last. Uh, it's uh, But more interestingly, in this particular case, the client was actually buying a property, not just renting. Oh, okay. So the commission there and the amount of money at stake was much, much uh, more significant than, right, yes, yeah, yeah. than when you rent. So this is a client who wanted to buy a villa and um, had retained a broker to help him find a villa. And uh, he said ultimately he found the villa that the client that is, found the villa that he wanted to buy. And uh, then wanted, with his broker, wanted um, to follow up on a number of issues regarding the villa. So asked the broker to follow up with the land, with the owner of the property to find out a whole set of uh, uh, of um, questions, and um, including regarding the uh, so the, the the structural conditions of the property and the price and the timing and so on and so forth. Now, this particular broker was extremely unhelpful and perhaps utterly unresponsive. Right. Uh, so, one. On the other hand, and this was it's actually fairly typical, that because this our client was um, chatting with a number of brokers. And, and unfortunately, these days, that's sort of how a lot of transaction, real, estate, real estate transactions still uh, take place. There isn't really this one exclusive broker, and it's not necessarily a good thing for either party, but it's it, in many ways, it's out of necessity mm. because it's very difficult for clients to actually find one reliable broker who they can um, engage exclusively and then rely on uh, for to, to represent their interests in the, the the best to the best of their interests, and so therefore, a lot of the time the person is looking to buy or rent. Uh, they talk to different brokers at the same time, and then once they figure out who is most helpful at some point in time, then they decide they either sign an agreement with that broker for a commission. Uh, or they have uh, an understanding, an oral understanding that then once the, the, the deal is closed, that the client will pay the broker um, his or her commission. Uh, so that's kind of how generally things here happen. And in this particular case, it was very similar to that. Our client uh, talked to different brokers about and sort of viewed different properties and identified uh, this one property and then 
uh, and and asked a number of questions of this particular broker, so trying to decide whether he wanted, or actually wa- he wanted to go ahead with his broker, and and because he was very serious about the property, but the broker was completely unresponsive and was just non-existent, and so the client kept looking for other brokers and other properties. At some point in time, he uh, he found a different broker and uh, returned back to that same property that he originally liked. And they decided that 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 was after having viewed a bunch of other properties with other brokers, that this was going to actually be the property that he wanted to go ahead with. And uh, at that point, uh, uh, engaged with the um, uh, with the seller of the property or their representative and and made fairly significant steps forward in terms of wanting to proceed with the transaction. Uh, At that point, the previous or the first real estate broker came out of the woodworks. Uh, and started demanding his commission for that property. Now, why was interesting, It's two things were quite interesting. One is just the way he was demanding the commission. He was very aggressive and threatening and just bombarded the client with emails and uh, phone calls, properly bullying him into paying him commission because he allegedly was the one who showed our client that property. So that was one interesting dynamic of that particular uh, case study. And the other one is that there was actually no agreement between our client and that broker. So there's never an agreement signed uh, that would provide for, let's say, just the obligation of paying commission to begin with uh, or and or what the commission should be. Uh, when it should be paid, and whether this was an exclusive or a non-exclusive agency agreement, and so on and so forth. So in this particular case, there was no agreement, one. Two, the broker didn't do anything, and in fact was uh, was the opposite, was very was completely unresponsive. And then three, when the broker found out somehow through the grapevine that the client was actually going ahead with that particular property, which the broker must have shown him at some point in time, he became very aggressive and demanding and bullying the client to pay him the commission. So that was kind of the scenario. Uh, remember, no agreement, uh, no no services, real, no services provided. And he was demanding the 2%. So something, to, we're talking about three or 400,000 dirhams because it was a fairly expensive uh, property. And so he was demanding to get paid that amount for having done basically no services. Ethically questionable to say the least, but this guy just woke up, I guess, when he realizes that this client is perhaps serious. But what kind of language did he use? What what were the bullying tactics? Well, very interesting because it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just the the, the phone calls and the WhatsApps and right. the emails. Uh, the client also received a call from someone who allegedly said that they were part of RERA or the land department. And they said, yes, this broker came to us, to RERA, and complained about the client. And that in itself posed a lot of sort of questions. And, and that the broker was very serious and they told RERA they were very serious and they will not stop at anything and file a case against the client and will fight in court. And until they received their money and that they, uh, they were determined and they were, uh, they were not going to stop. And so therefore, this alleged rear representative encouraged our client to pay the broker because he said, again, I use the word alleged because we do not know whether the person who actually called was a government representative. 
but he said that please just pay him because I have never seen such an aggressive broker who was so determined. So you really should pay him. It doesn't sound like a rare methodology to me. Exactly. And then when I heard that, I just said, listen, that sounds very, very suspicious because mm. that's not the role of RERA. Uh, is just basically to bully investors to paying commission to brokers. It's just not their role. They're regulatory authority. In fact, what they do do is they regulate uh, relationships and conduct and practices of brokers, real estate brokers who are registered with them, but not of investors. They have no authority over investors. Uh, so that's one, two. I mean, how somebody would pick up the phone without a contract. There was no contract that this particular rear representative would have relied on to even pick up the phone and justify spending his time placing this call and conveying the message. Uh, so, no, to me, that sounds highly suspicious and questionable. So I, I'm not sure if, in fact, it was somebody from Rio. It could have been somebody who sits in the office of or in the building and perhaps a friends with this particular broker decided to do a, a favor and see if, if they can <laughs> chime in with their uh, bullying tactics and, and get the, the client to perhaps pay, you know, at least offer some money. Mm. Or it could have been uh, his friend from down the road. I oh, mean, it could have been, exactly. So I would, I would, I would perhaps, I speculate it's, it's probably what you said, mm. um, someone else that just uh, called from a landline. And because how would, how do you know? How would you know who it is? Sure. Uh, so that was, that was one of the tactics. The other one was at some point the, um, the brokerage company itself. So this is until, uh, until this time, it was just the broker. Uh, that had been harassing our client and bullying. And then at some point, the company or the agency wrote, and it was a very strongly worded email, said, you have an obligation to pay us. We showed you the property and you must pay us this amount and you have to pay it by such and such date. And if you don't, we are going to go and file a case against you. So that's not a surprise to me because uh, it's one thing for an individual a rogue individual, for perhaps, or an individual to go rogue and and act so unethically and unprofessionally, without any justification. But it's another thing for the company itself to throw their weight behind that individual and ultimately not just endorse his unethical behavior, but um, conduct the same behavior uh, as a company. Uh, so in this case, it was everything from alleged calls from RERA to emails to WhatsApps to multiple calls uh, to uh, to be ultimately short of kind of a formal uh, threat, legal threat to you. you know, but it was a demand letter or a demand email and a threat of litigation by the company. Well, you can see how somebody would be intimidated by that. And if you add to... The mix, the fact that, you know, buying a place to live, there's a certain emotional attachment in that. You don't want to lose the sale. You can see how that, that kind of effect can snowball. Well, well, indeed, especially because there's one more, one more bullying tactic as, as we were talking through this. I remember there's the broker alleged or threatened the client that they were going to put some sort of a, a ban on the property or some kind of a block on the property, which will prevent the client from buying it. So uh, to your to your point, Tim, 
if you are, if you have finally found your property, which in our case, the client finally found the property mm. that, uh, that they were very interested in and they had done quite extensive uh, research and, um, and truly fell in love with this property and were very committed and sort of, and then applied for a mortgage and did a number of other things, including, I think they also hired an inspector and paid for additional inspection. So you just have a full and extensive, research and understanding of this particular property so yes emotionally they're very committed and financially they were committed mm. and then when you're on the other side confronted with these kinds of tactics they're now you're being threatened not only to have to pay extra but also per- perhaps to lose this particular investment uh, or in lose this particular property because this alleged broker is now has the authority to block the the property I mean, that's, you know, that's, it's very unsettling, even for someone like our client who is extremely intelligent, very, uh, very, uh, experienced and very professional, very serious and never took this, uh, sort of lightheartedly. And even then, because, you know, let's face it, not many people have had the sort of experience that we've had as, as a, as a law firm. And so when, and, and, and it was interesting because this particular client is a very, it's a very strong kind of balanced and grounded person. And, but he said, you know, I just have never been on the other side of somebody who's such a bully. He's like, I just, because for somebody to act so bullishly, so aggressively, I sort of started questioning myself whether maybe there is something to it. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there is a law or something that I am, I am inadvertently breaking or breaching. So this is why they reached out to us for, for an opinion and advice. But it was interesting because on top of everything else, it was just the, the pure spirit and the, the temperament of the broker and the aggression that took our otherwise very experienced client aback and made him question his own understanding and his own position with regards to this transaction. Okay, so he comes to you for advice, um, taken aback at the, the front that this person shows. Well, what was your advice? Well, our advice was that, in short, that this was uh, obviously just nothing short of a bullying tactic, that legally this uh, the broker had no standing uh, for a number of reasons. One, there's no agreement. There's just no agreement. So in, so legally and, and practically as well. So we would explain to the client. So for a broker to, in fact, try to do something about this alleged agreement, they would have had to file something with the court and on the basis, and it would be for breach of agreement. Okay, and so what agreement would there be? There was nothing. There was not even a WhatsApp correspondence. There's nothing uh, that in any shape or form uh, represented that there was an agreement for a client to hire this broker to sell this property for such and such commission. And this broker had been quiet until he heard on the grapevine that the client had woken up and that's how it transpired. Exactly. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so we said, legally speaking, he doesn't have standing in practical terms, even if he were, I yeah, said, even if there was an agreement in place, unless it was an exclusive agreement that was very clearly drafted, it just, it would be very difficult to enforce it. And uh, because you can have agreements with multiple brokers, but unless there's an exclusivity provision there, 
then you cannot really enforce that agreement unless you can prove that somehow you are the one who made that deal happen. Mm. In this case, there was no agreement and the, this particular agent did not do anything. So in fact, he, there's, if anything, there was proof to show that he did not do anything. And this is why the client ultimately kept looking for other brokers. Uh, so, because remember, for a contract to be valid, there has to be some kind of consideration. So here, the broker is asking for a very, a very substantial amount of money. It was you know, hundreds of thousands of dirhams as commission, but for what? I mean, there has to be some kind of a consideration in he in exchange for this money. What did he do? And there was nothing. There's just nothing that he could have shown that he did. So I said, even if there was an agreement, and even if there was an exclusive agreement. Yeah, there would always be a defense that, okay, there's an agreement, but in fact, I found this property on my own and this broker did not do anything. Uh, so, and here I can prove that, you know, that he did not provide any services. So, um, so from a legal standpoint, we explained that that just that the broker does not have standing. And from a practical standpoint as well, we said that, uh, we are not aware and we, to this day, we're not aware of any, any systems where that would allow a broker to go to RERA and block a transaction without a court order. So without a court order, you cannot do that. Uh, so that's a practical um, practical uh, standpoint. And then also we said, listen, if the, the broker continues to be such a nuisance and he continues to be such a bully and, and so aggressive, then you could even file a case with the police for just being harassed, for harassment. Mm. Uh, mm. So... Uh, so basically, that was kind of our advice in terms of legally. There's nothing to worry about practically as, as well. Though this, the transaction was not at risk, and uh, if if this continued, so we just we were advised that it, the best thing to do is to just ignore, or at least uh, or either ignore or write a strong worded message to the brokerage company saying this is um, this is improper, uh, and or to file a complaint with RERA against this particular broker and the brokerage company complaining that they have violated their uh, rear's own ethical obligations and regulations regulating brokers. And brokers are bound by RERA, aren't they, in, in an ethical sense? In Dubai, yes, correct. In Dubai, RERA is for all the brokers to legally practice in, in, the, in the, so the brokerage industry. They are required to be licensed by RERA and also have a RERA license or the RERA license number. So, and as part of this, RERA does become a regulatory authority over the brokers regulating their conduct and therefore in theory, reprimanding them for breach of their obligations. And as part of this, ARIRA had also issued the um, uh, laws or regulations for real estate brokers uh, in Dubai, and that goes back to 2006. And uh, that is a document that lists out uh, brokers' rights and obligations. But interestingly enough, there's a specific provision there in the regulations uh, that clearly states that in the event, for example, uh, an investor or a buyer, let's say, or a tenant, uh, signs multiple agreements with multiple brokers, and uh, at the end, only that broker who actually uh, who manages to execute the transaction is entitled to the commission. So in other words, you can have uh, five brokerage agreements or agreements with five different brokers, but at the end, the only broker that is entitled to the commission is the one who actually makes the deal happen. And that goes back to the point of a contract as an enforceable instrument and consideration. So in that case, well, the broker here, uh, you, under that, uh, that article, the reasoning is that only that broker who actually provides services is entitled to compensation.
So in this case, the broker clearly violated the RERA specific provisions in the RERA uh, Code of Ethics and Regulations. Let's just recap. Um, if anybody listening now has faced this or is indeed facing something uh, like this, how to approach it, what you need to know. Well, number one is to pick a broker carefully. Mm-hmm. And uh, and number two, just to make sure that if you do sign an agreement with a broker, that you review that agreement and you understand what you're signing. Because a lot of the agreements, they are being, they're being offered or kind of forced on to clients. Just, just sign this. It doesn't bind anything. Just sign it here. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those agreements are, in, in fact, exclusive. So if you, and therefore, if, if it is exclusive, then in that particular case, the broker would have a much stronger contractual argument that they were entitled to some sort of compensation because you should not have gone to a different broker. Uh, so if you are going, first of all, choose a broker properly. Second of all, if you're going to be signing any contract with a broker, make sure review the contract and make sure that the scope of the contract is what you want it to be. And don't succumb to the pressure of, oh, this is a standard contract, just sign it. We don't have any other con- contracts. A contract is a voluntary instrument and parties can always amend it. Uh, so therefore, if you're an investor, my recommendation is unless you're absolutely certain in this particular broker and you think he or she can bring the value that you're seeking, you should not sign an exclusive uh, agreement. And then also make sure if you are signing an agreement that it's very clear, very clearly specified or spelled out uh, what the commission is. Uh, who is paying it and what happens if you do have multiple brokers involved, whether the commission is split between them uh, or whether uh, or whether only one of them is entitled or whether the commission is doubled because that sometimes happens as well. Uh, and I personally would also recommend to include for a client to include very specific conditions that they wish uh, for the broker to uh, uh, to comply with or to follow, such as, for example, the responsiveness, the communication, the the timeliness of their response, because most of the brokerage agreements we've seen are very one-sided. Only the client has the obligation, which is to pay money, and there's nothing that, about the broker's obligations in terms of what they are supposed to do. Uh, so, so the and and then when the commission is paid, is it paid upon the transfer? of the title deed or is it paid whenever the MOU is signed or an agreement is signed between the buyer and the seller because often we've seen that. And what happens if the agreement is uh, uh, is rescinded and so on and so forth. So review the agreement carefully. And um, and before paying any commissions, make sure that you uh, that your deal has been con- concluded because we've also seen a number of uh, transactions where the broker's uh, fee gets paid before the the deal is concluded and then after the deal is concluded or the broker's fee is paid or commission is paid, uh, the deal falls through for one reason or another. Uh, so just due diligence. And another thing is to also make sure that you know that who you're dealing with and that you have proper documentation and that they have proper uh, proper licenses uh, to operate because there's a lot of people out there who hold themselves out to be brokers, but in fact are not. Uh, or there are a lot of so-called bro- oh, brokers who um, who perhaps have a rear card, but they're trying to operate outside of the company, the brokerage company for whom they work. So just make sure you you do your due diligence on the broker and the brokerage company, and equally so you do proper due diligence on the uh, the seller of the property to make sure that the broker actually has the authority to represent them. 
That's another episode of Logical, the payment of commission to real estate brokers in Dubai. What's reasonable and what is not reasonable? As always, Ludmilla Yamalova, managing partner here at Yamalova and Plethka, our legal expert here on Logical. Uh, and as always, appreciate you sharing your expertise. Thank you, Tim. To have a legal question answered in a future episode of Logical or to arrange a consultation with a qualified UAE experienced legal professional, you can WhatsApp us directly 0097152525 or click contact at lylawyers.com.